John chapter 15 from verse 14, I will read. It says, actually, let me take it from verse 13. It says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves. In one version, it says servants. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Most of you know that I like to teach for a long time. I've taught from the New King James Version. This year, uh, or last year, I started an adventure with a New Living Translation. I have read and worked with so many different translations. I always, uh, <laughs> I have this Bible that has 23 translations uh, put together. Not complete, but they would put some chapters from the New Testament, Old Testament, you know, but there's 23 versions. <clears throat> and um, so I've been on a journey. So some of you may wonder, oh, is pastor now, is a minister now, you know, teaching from, my official teaching Bible is the New King James Version. But this year, and I've read through the New Living Translation from Genesis to Revelation in one particular year. I think it was three years ago, two years ago. I did it from, you know, I just wanted to see what the translation had to offer. Um, but what I've come to realize is the, the, the word of God is spirit and life. That's what Jesus says. The word that I speak to you, they are spirit and life. In the scripture, you can read the scripture and nothing happens just from reading it. But if you have a relationship with God, the scripture comes alive to you. And I pray that today as I speak, it'll come alive to you. It'll come alive to you. I always say, and you know this, that church, this meeting place, and when we gather, the children are all over there taking lessons according to their age um, categories, right? But as we gather here, whether child or male, female, you know, 50 years plus, doesn't matter. The presence of God is in the room. We don't see God physically, but his presence is in the room. And this is why church is a life-giving place. It should be. Now, some local churches may not be life-giving because people are arguing, people are fighting, people are disagreeing, people are not happy, they don't want to, you know, uh, they don't like each other anymore. And so there's rancor going on. In such a place, there is no life-giving spirit. But where people are focused on Jesus, when our worship is unto the Lord, the life-giving spirit of God dwells amongst us. We live happier. We live more joyful. We live excited. We live, you know, there's just something about the presence of God. How many of you come to church tired sometimes, just kind of drained from being beaten through the week and all that? How many of you, no, no, be honest with me. How many of you? Yes, I like you. Be honest. Yeah. I like the way you're bobbing your head back and forth. Like, you know, that thing in the car, it goes like that. You know, that's what I'm He's being honest. How many of you really? But then when you, at the end of a service, how do you feel? It's like you've received what? A boost. What happened? You think it's me? No. Anybody could preach a message or a sermon here. As long as they are speaking from the scriptures and from the spirit of God, you will receive an electric charge. That's how it feels. And you leave feeling different. You leave feeling better. You leave feeling filled and fulfilled. Sometimes people don't leave fulfilled. People don't leave uh, refreshed. You know why? Maybe there is something going on inside that has not been resolved. Until we resolve it, it doesn't matter where we go. We will leave non-refreshed. Sometimes 
it may be that we need a little bit of a change. But sometimes it's not the change. What, you know, somebody said something once. He says, if you, try, if you travel to some location because you're not happy uh, within yourself, when you get to that location, it doesn't matter whether it's the nice, you know, you can see the ocean floor from, you know, uh, you know the beach. It doesn't matter. It says, because you arrive there with the problem inside of you. So it, if, if that is dealt with, Church can become a life-giving. The Bible talks about the Spirit of God being a life-giving, the life-giving Spirit. As we sing, it's different. As we hear the words of the Lord, it's different. My prayer today is that this will also be one of those moments where you are so blessed, where you are encouraged, where you are comforted, where you, you know, I, I attended a church once where as soon as the service ended, you know, everybody was running for the door. And I was wondering, why is everybody running? And you know, why are they running? Is it that they have maybe, I didn't know at the time, I was new. I said, maybe it's baseball. Maybe now, years later, I'm thinking maybe they had baseball or they had football or they had hockey or something. That's, I, I, I've thought about it for a long time. And it's one of my prayers that wherever I lead, wherever I have a team of people, that we are so into uh, the love of God that we're not looking for the doors. We're wondering, oh, how much time? You don't, you know, yesterday we spent time with some, some of our members here. We had a great time. We went for the pro sports uh, 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 faith night. We had such a great time together. It was just amazing, you know, just talking about God, talking about, uh, you, know, the, 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 you know, the things that he has done in our lives. And this morning I had to call one of them and say, you know, you said this yesterday, but this is what, this is what, I, this is what was revealed to me this morning about, about it. And, and it's just a continuous conversation because of the presence of God that was in our midst. When we're missing that, we miss everything. The secret of the success of any local church, whether it's 20 people, is seven people in it or 7,000 people is the Spirit of God. Today, I want to talk to you about, uh, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> being a friend of God, friendship with God, friendship with God. Now, we as Christians believe, if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus was, Jesus, one of the problems the Pharisees had with Jesus was that he claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. And one of the problems that the news media have with Jesus is that he claimed to be God. Uh, one, of, one of the Easter's, uh, I was, one, I think three or four Easter's ago, I was watching a TV show and a, 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 a lady there was, the, the host was talking and it was around Easter and she said that uh, uh, people were about to worship Jesus who thought he was the son of God. See, he thought. Now, Jesus did not think he was the son of God. You're interpreting him. He actually said it. He declared who he was. And he said, whoever believes in me shall have eternal life. He made the claim. The apostles now came and they actually now talked about that. There are many people today who are finding Jesus out of this place, all over the world. They are encountering this Jesus that they've heard about. They found that no other thing has given them peace. No other thing they've tried has, has helped. Recently, I, I, I learned about a Hollywood actress who also came to know Jesus recently. The funny thing about it, with all the denigration, with all the embarrassments from the church, with all the uh, uh, negative talk, a negative press that the church gets, isn't it amazing that people are still finding Jesus? Today in this city, people are going to give their lives to Christ, maybe even here, and they will start a new journey with God that they never had before. 
Today, people are going to walk away from drugs and alcoholism by the power of Jesus Christ. Something that has never happened. Something they thought would never happen. They've been on government programs, but the government program didn't help them because my scripture tells me that the, upon his shoulders shall be what? The government. The government shall be upon his shoulders. The Bible also says in Isaiah chapter 9, he said of the increase of his government, there shall be what? There shall be no end. Do you see that? So, under, you, you can avoid and run away from something for so long. There are people who have heard about Jesus. They've heard about church. They've heard about, but they just run. Some people were even in the church and they gave it up because it, they didn't think it was, you know, doing anything for them. But somewhere along the line in their lives, they realize that I need to turn back to Jesus. I need to follow him again. And people are coming back to him. But the news doesn't report that. They don't tell you people are having encounters with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They don't want that. Because the problem they had with him and the problem they still have with him is that he claimed to be God. And, and as Christians, our belief is that God sent his son, but he came in the form of his son. Jesus came to the earth. God came to the earth and did what we couldn't do for ourselves and closed the chasm between God and man forever, humankind forever, through the death Burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when we believe the, uh, the, 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 the payment for sin, for, uh, for Adam's um, sin that passed on to all of hum humanity is paid for in that one sacrifice. As silly as it sounds, as um, nonsensical as it may sound to the educated and the scientific mind, the truth is the truth. And for those who have come. You see, this, the thing about arguing against the truth is you, you, you can, <laughs> you can argue, we can argue as much as we want, but you can't argue against an experience. Did you hear what I just said? Can you argue against an experience? Very difficult. Because if somebody said, I just bit an apple and it's very juicy, you say, no, I believe that apple is dry. Well, <laughs> have you done any scientific uh, experiments to arrive at that and science the problem that science has in and walking with God is simple is that science is based on observable facts so you put facts together the problem with facts is sometimes facts don't lead to the truth other times facts lead to the truth about a situation but the problem with science is that science has also come to discover that there are positional truths there are also transitional truths and there are transnational truths. There are certain truths that are held as a truth for a period as long as the facts are consistent. If the facts move, <laughs> the truth <laughs> about the situation will move. The only truth that is consistent with time, consistent from one generation to the generation, is that God is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. So science struggles because they are on, there is no empirical formula to judge the existence of God. There's no test tube where a little bit of God was put in a test tube, locked in an oven, and they came back and looked at it and said, well, you know what? This looks like God. Well, if you don't know, if you don't know what to expect, you don't have a sample of God. What, well, we have a sample of God. Why? Because we have been saved. We have been bought. We have been redeemed. We have been transformed. We have a relationship with God through whom? Through Jesus Christ, the Son. We bit the apple, and I can tell you it's juicy. It's not dry. Give the Lord a round of applause. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. 
Jesus now at this point, before he goes to the cross, he talks to his disciples. He did something. You know, I really, when you read the scriptures, if you watch the movie Case for Christ, where an atheist documents how he became a Christian from denying, he actually wanted to prove, <coughs> excuse me, that Jesus did not resurrect. In the process of trying to prove that there was no resurrection, that's how he became a Christian. You've got to study so the facts because he has a scientific mind. Another atheist, a woman who has a very who has scientific mind and a scientific mind is actually developed. Children are not born with scientific minds. It develops. We are all born with a faith mind. We are born with an ability, a desire to look up to heaven. But as we encounter trauma in life, as we encounter different things and we learn how to lie, cheat and deceive, because you don't teach your child how to lie. One day you just suddenly realize, huh, he's two years old and he's now lying. What, where do you learn that from? It's human nature. Science struggles with that, with, with, with fact, with, 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 uh, with, with balancing all the equilibrium of facts and saying, okay, let's put this together and then we find this. But you don't find God with facts, even though you can. But facts must turn to faith for God to become real. Otherwise, at the end of all the facts, where faith must now ignite for you to believe God, you can be stuck. We find God through faith. And the good thing about it is the faith is not of yourselves. Ephesians chapter 2, right? What happens is God deposits his faith to help you to bring the facts together to believe. So Jesus at this point, before he goes to the cross, he says something. So I read from John 15. He says something very interesting. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Friendship with God. So if you are already a believer, if you are already a Christian, if you are already a follower of Jesus, or there's something tugging in your heart. Every human being has a moment where something tugs at their heart to look up, to think a little bit more, to ask questions about the reality of God. Everybody, it happens to us all. Wherever you are at, here is the truth. God desires friendship with you. And how that happens is that you have a relationship with the son. The deeper that relationship goes, the more friendly you become, the more friendly you are with God. Because we do not see God physically, but in our relationship with Christ, we see God. We see God through our relationship with Jesus. So if you want to know God, if you want to be deeper in your relationship with God, you start with attending to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you just hear what I said? Are you guys following this morning? Are you getting blessed? Jesus said, I now call you friends. If you do, he says, sorry, you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves or servants because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. Here's the point. As we develop a closer relationship with God, one of the things through Christ, one of the things that you begin to experience is more information comes your way. Now, God does not give information for us to have a big fat heads as people who know everything. The only reason why God gives information is, a, is for the purpose of transformation. First, you are transformed. The more you see, so this morning I received an email, uh, you know, from a, a member here. I'm not going to say who, but it was a, an email based on, on geese. So interestingly, sometimes people will send me a text on a Sunday morning or even uh, uh, an email over the weekend and have no idea that God prompted them to send that. 
So they're like, oh, I'm sorry I sent this. And, uh, but they have no idea that while I'm reading it, they actually obeyed the Lord to send it. That it's doing something. God uses everything around us to speak to us. I know that last week, God spoke to you somehow. As you are driving down the highway, as you are doing the dishes, there's something that he's speaking to you. He wants a deeper relationship. He wants to call you friend. And the scriptures in, in the book of James tell us that God called Abraham, what? His friend. Called Abraham his friend. The prophets also recorded that Abraham was the friend of God. You know, this morning, I want to ask you a question. Are you a friend of God? Are you, can Jesus look at you and say, I call you my friend? Do we have that kind of relationship? Friendship, somebody defined as a ship that has two people on it. At least two people, a ship with at least two people who call themselves friends. They're traveling together. They talk. They have a, a relationship. The question today is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Or is it broken? Or is it not what it ought to be? You know, there's a friend we used to, uh, there's, sorry, there's a song we used to sing years back. I grew up on that song. What a friend we have in Jesus. If you've been going to church for most of your life, you will know it. It's uh, in the hymn book and we'll all open the hymn book and sing. As a child, I remember. What a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Some of us laugh at our parents like the way they used to worship in those days. But you know what? That's all they had. And they made the best of it. I remember the choir master in front going like that. You know, there was no organ. There was no, you know, yeah, you dare not go to the bathroom while the preacher is speaking because there's a guy by the, with a stick at the door to get to make sure everybody's in line. The women sat on this side. The men sat on this side, you know, so but how far we've come, right? So, but the point I want to make is that we can have such a, f a friendship with the Lord and we can take everything to him in prayer. And, and prayer is not kneeling. It's just a posture. Prayer is not standing up like that. It, that's just a posture. Prayer is not lying flat. on the There are different prayer postures. And so Abraham, who was a friend of God, you know, the Bible tells us that he would always go for a walk and he will have a conversation with God. Another time he's sitting at his tent and angels show up. So he, you can be walking and talking to God. I want you to practice that some more. You know, at Joy Fountain, we believe that our responsibility, our assignment is to raise a people of prayer, purpose, and power. And we're going to be talking about that so much more that I, until you start getting upset that, man, this is too much already. Maybe at that point it's driven into our hearts. When you load the dishwasher, you can talk to God. He's hearing. He's, he, and he, interestingly, wants to talk back to us. But if you don't try it, you will not experience it. He said, I call you friends. But there's something here. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. 
In our modern day and age, we don't like the word command because it sounds like, man, but until we change our view, I love that song, You Are God Alone. What view do we have of God? How do we see him? Do we see him as a commander of the universe? So if, 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 we, if we see him that way, if he says, do what I command, then it's not a problem because we see him as a commander. But if we see him as something else, then there's a problem. If we see him as someone we can remove with our vote, then we feel, well, you serve me because I vote for you. Well, no, he wasn't voted in. But he says, I want to be your friend. I want to have a friendship with you. And, and, and there's no application form. There is no special rules. He just says, if you do what I command, we can have a friendly relationship. I can talk to you. You can talk to me. I can show you things. So he's calling us into a deeper relationship. In verse 16, he says something. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Oh, before that, he says, you are, now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the father told me. Everything the father told me, I have told you. Everything. For that reason, you are my friends. Friends don't keep secrets from one another. He wants to talk to you and show you deeper things. Do you know God can talk to you about your children? He can show you things about their lives, how things are going to go. He may not give you everything, but he will give you some. I can guarantee that because his word tells us that he will show us things to come. But if our relationship is not with him in such a way that we can actually drive, drive and dive deeper, how are we going to hear? So, so here he says, I have told you everything the father told me. So, so you're my friends. In verse 16, he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. We want to do what our friend wants us to do because we want to honor them, want to respect them. Jesus says, you're my friend, but I want you to go and bring forth fruit. What does that mean? He wants you to be an influence of good when we meet people. He wants us to be an influence of good everywhere we go. In very simple terms, very clear terms. Who needs your influence this week? Who needs your influence this year? Who is that person out there that is waiting for you to become? There's somebody out there who needs what you've got. And we only have to open our eyes. We only have to be ready and say, God, I am ready. I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. If we say we have a friendship, if we're developing our friendship with God, or we are at the verge of entering into a friendship with God because our hearts are being tugged at, then it's time for us to take that step and say, I'm willing to bring forth fruit. How do you do that? Maybe there's someone God has been saying, go and take them out for coffee, have coffee with them. You have no idea where it would lead. You have no idea. But why don't you just try? Uh, what's the average price of coffee? You bring your own and it's 57 cents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, uh, unfortunately, if we get a 57 cent coffee at 7-Eleven, we would have to stand outside in the winter to enjoy it, though. That's good. <laughs> so, but then you have these different places. But the point is, I don't know that there's any coffee that's more than $5.99 at the most. So from, you have a range of 57 cents at 7-Eleven 
to, uh, I remember somebody last year saying that uh, they were looking for a place for Christmas gifts. And somebody actually said on Facebook, you know, it's a group of friends. Says, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, I found some very interesting gifts at 7-Eleven and they're not that expensive. <laughs> Go over there to buy your gifts. That was last Christmas. So the, the point I want to make is, you have to be intentional. There's someone out there that you can take and go and sit with. So all of you here are Christians. I want to ask you a question. In the last one year, who did you sit with at a coffee place just to talk about the things of God? The pe people that you are pro God prompted you, but you, you missed that opportunity. You kind of just threw it aside. And you know the, the, the excuse we give, we're busy. We're busy. And we, to be honest, we're all busy. But where, where are we busy? Are we busy in the woods chopping down trees? No. Like, are we swinging an axe in the woods every day and there's no human beings but bears and, 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 and crocodiles? No, you don't have crocodiles in Manitoba. What do you have here? That's in Florida. Mosquitoes. So you're swinging. No. We are engaged. You know, our own family, you know what we've been busy doing? Basketball. Driving our children from here to Minneapolis and all over the place. But there are people we were meeting along the way. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, listen to this person. They have something to say. All of those encounters that we're having were opportunities for us to speak to people. Will they come and be part of the church? We don't know. Will they listen to us? We have no idea whether they'll listen. But you've got to obey Listen, that people will listen or not listen, it's not your, your, that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to bring forth fruit. And the fruit may mean that people will consider what you have said. That's more than enough. You've obeyed. If they reject, they didn't reject you. They rejected the person who sent you. And here's the thing. The Lord will give you what to say. He'll put a word in your mouth. People need what we have. See, the, the believer has God's grace resident in their lives. And there are people out there who need what you are carrying. You are like the electric plug that has all the hydropower coming into it. But if you never plug into that, you know, uh, your, your electric iron or uh, appliance, or, you don't get the power. You've come here. We're plugged in. When you go out into your week, if we are going to be true friends of the master, if we're going to be true friends of the general, we're going to do what he says. He says, bring forth fruit. And we meet people. There are people. And I'm saying this. Don't just randomly walk around to people and try to, uh, you know, force ourselves on them. No. But Lord, what are you saying to me today? Why is this person opening up to me? Sometimes we will open up to you and the Holy Spirit say, pray with them. And then you feel, oh, no, I don't know I can do this. This is a restaurant. You know, maybe that's the time to actually pray with them. And see, you don't have to pray like I pray. You don't have to do it like somebody else who seems to be very eloquent. And honestly, some of the most effective prayers are the short, simple, and sweet ones. So they're going through problems. They're, about to, they're going through a divorce and there's tears in their eyes. And you say, all right, can I pray with you? Because there's nothing you say that can change the situation. But what if we give it up to the God that I serve? Well, I don't believe in that God. Okay, well, that's all right. But do you, do you mind if I pray? Well, if it makes you feel better, I like that one. When people tell me if it makes you feel better, I, I jump in and I pray. Because then I'm bringing God into the situation. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So this week, who is that person who will? And sometimes we feel we're not good enough. 
we feel we're not good enough. We're not good enough to do this because maybe there's sin in our lives or there's something we are not even up to yet. And so we think, oh no, I'm not the right person to pray. Well, God qualified you because he calls you his child. If there's a prompting, God uses the most unlikely vessel. The last thing I want to say here is this. I'm going to go to verse 17, which is, he says, this is my command, love each other. Love each other. We're in a world today where love is failing. People have redefined love. And, and what's leading is conditional love. If I can get something from you, then I love you. If I can, you know, it's, but God is talking about the unconditional love. And he says, if you have love for one another, by this shall all people, all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another, do we truly love each other? Do we? So here, here's a test. Do we enjoy to hang out with each other? One of the tests of love among Christians is that they love to hang out with each other. And they spend time talking. They spend time praying. No suspicion. No, you said this. Another, the second thing is, the second test if you say you truly love me or I love you as a Christian, do we harbor things to the point where every six months you say, okay, you know, you said something the other day. It was in January. You told me that, oh, but we've had coffee all this time. You never said it. What happened? If, you if we harbor things against one another in the church of Christ, it doesn't help us, especially the one who harbors things. You will never go beyond, and people don't realize it, that by doing that, we don't go beyond where we should be. We're stuck, unpromoted, where we are until we let go. Especially the things that are trivial. I don't know any church on this planet where there are people gathered where there are no problems. As soon as you walk in there, they increase their problem by one person because you came. <laughs> You arrived. So that's problem number, however, people are there. So you won't find a perfect church. In fact, the test of growing Christians are the love that they show for one another in spite of their weaknesses. One of the tests of a leader is working with people who are different. Each one is different. Jesus had 12 disciples. One was a traitor, but he knew how to work with them. He even called Judas friend. When Judas came to kiss him, he said, friend, what are you doing here tonight? And he knew he had already traded him for 30 pieces of silver. So what, are, we, are we growing in Christ to the point that we can, love, we can look at someone. If you're looking for someone perfect to love, you won't find them. <laughs> you won't. In fact, the test of your love is to be able to appreciate people in spite of their imperfection. I've learned to focus on people's strengths, what they're able to do. And I've seen that when you do that, the, those things don't really bother you. You don't keep the offense. There's no need for that. If we are going to be friends with Jesus, can we forgive those who have offended us? Can we love people? Can we love one another? I can say more, but I don't have the time. And I don't need to say too much for you to hear what I have said. Are you blessed this morning? Please let's bow our heads in prayer for a moment.